book of Matthew chapter 1, as we begin this Christmas season, what we're going to do uh, over the next several weeks is we're going to be walking through a harmony of the Gospels. We're going to look at, at Christ, we're going to look at who He is, who He was portrayed, who He was portrayed as uh, in all four of the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then in the Gospel of John. And it's important as we begin for us to understand just the mechanics of, of our New Testament. Uh, the New Testament is written, it was 27 books of the New Testament, uh, 13 letters uh, from the Apostle Paul, many other letters uh, from the disciple John, some from uh, Jesus' brothers James and Judas, called Jude. Uh, and then we have the book of Hebrews, which no one really knows who wrote the book of Hebrews. We have... Uh, the book of Revelation, which was also written by the Apostle John. But then we have these four books that begin our New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the Synoptic Gospels. And, and we call them the Synoptic Gospels. Uh, from uh, it, it comes from the Latin uh, synopsis, which means similar. Uh, and so these three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are, are similar Gospels. They tell basically the same story. They basically have have the same events in Jesus' life. The majority of Matthew, Mark, and Luke take place while Jesus is in Galilee or while Jesus is in uh, the region of Capernaum or Caesarea Philippi around the Sea of Galilee ministering in the countryside, uh, which is different than the Gospel of John. The predominant setting in the Gospel of John is Jerusalem or Judea. And so there is a difference between John's Gospel and Matthew, Mark, and Luke, which is known as the Synoptic Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all written within about 20, 30 years of each other. Uh, John's Gospel was written about 40 years after them. Uh, John's Gospel was written with a vastly different purpose as the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels were written to, to tell the story of Jesus' life, of His death, of His burial, and His resurrection. John writes, 40 years after the Synoptic Gospels were written, after many of them are being circulated throughout the early church, and so John sees no reason to retell the same story, and so John writes with a different purpose and a different theme. John writes an evangelistic gospel. John writes, and if you read the end of the book of John, he says, this is the reason I write this, so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So he writes it with an evangelistic purpose in mind. That being said, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Flip over to Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, the king... Behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw a star in the east and come to worship him. When Herod the king heard it, he was troubled in all of Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he began to inquire of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you will come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and ascertained from them the time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem. He said, Go and make careful search for the child. And when you have found him, report to me that I too may come and worship him. Having heard the king, they went on their way, and lo, 
The star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And there they came into the house and saw the child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream to return, not to return to Herod, they departed for their own country by another way. Let's pray. God, as, as we look at the birth story of Jesus in all of the Gospels, Lord, may we see a clear, vivid picture of Christ. Of Christ as the fulfillment of the Messianic prophecies, as Christ, as God in the flesh, as Christ as the suffering servant. Or may we see Jesus, a biblical Jesus. And may we worship Him this morning in spirit and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was in seminary one day, and as I was in seminary, we were talking about the the theology of of God the Father, uh, which is also called theology proper. Uh, and so as, as we were sitting here talking about uh, the theology of God, we were talking about all of the different attributes that, that, that God uh, manifests, that, that, that He has within Himself. We were talking about His, His great love, His compassion, His kindness, His mercy, His grace. But then we got on the topic, we got on the discussion of, of the wrath of God and the judgment of God and the vengeance of God. And, and there was a young man uh, in the back of the class and he raised his hand and he said, you know, I, don't, I don't like to think about a God full of wrath and vengeance and judgment. I like to think about a God who is loving and kind and benevolent and grace." Uh, full of grace and mercy. And after he went on his, his you know, two or three minute monologue, the professor stood up and said, well, thank you very much for telling us about yourself, but we're here to study what the Scripture says about God. And so oftentimes, whenever we talk about Jesus, we have that same mentality. We want to think about and we want to read and we want to worship the Jesus that, that we like. And we oftentimes fail to understand who Jesus is according to the Scripture. And so what I want to do this over these next several weeks is I want to, to ask ourselves to look into the Scripture and ask, who is Jesus according to the Scripture? Who was this Jesus that was to be born in Bethlehem? Who was this Jesus that was worshipped by Magi? Who was this Jesus that was worshipped by shepherds? Who was this Jesus who suffered and die. And so we're going to begin in the book of Matthew. And if we notice, Matthew starts out the very first words from the Gospel of Matthew, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ. Christ is not Jesus' last name. His children, uh, if, if Jesus were to have children, they weren't going to be called you know, John Christ or, or Matthew Christ or so on Christ. Christ wasn't Jesus' last name. Christ was His title. Christ Literally means Messiah, anointed one of God. So listen to what Matthew says. This book of genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew starts out giving Jesus the title, the Messiah. Giving Jesus the title, the promised one of God, the anointed one of God. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were all written to different audiences, to convey a different theme, 
to portray Jesus differently. Not that Jesus has multiple personalities. Not that Jesus is, is, is some uh, um, individual who is suffering with, with multiple personality disorders and he's having an identity crisis and he can't figure out who he is. But according to the different audiences that the authors wrote, Jesus was portrayed very differently. Matthew writes his gospel to a Jewish audience, to predominantly a a Hebrew Jewish audience. And for that reason, he begins pointing out Jesus as the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew demonstrates Christ as the fulfillment of the Davidic prophecy. As we get into the Gospel of John, John writes his Gospel with a much different audience in mind. John writes his Gospel and portrays Christ not as the son of David, not as the son of Abraham, but he begins his Gospel in John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the, was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And you look at John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father. John presents his Gospel, in, in John's Gospel, in verse, in verse 1, He presents Jesus as God Himself. So in Matthew, we see Jesus as the fulfillment of Davidic prophecy. In John's Gospel, we see Jesus presented as as God Himself. In Mark's Gospel, in Mark chapter 1, verse 12, as we begin Mark's Gospel, in chapter 1, verse 12, we see Jesus presented much differently. We see Jesus, as Mark's Gospel starts out, it doesn't tell us anything about Jesus. It starts out with, the, with John the Baptist. And then the first mentioning we have of Jesus is in verse 12. And immediately the Spirit impelled Jesus to go into the wilderness. And what would happen in the wilderness? Jesus would suffer. He would spend 40 days fasting. And after he was fasting, he would be tempted by the enemy. In Mark's Gospel, Jesus is presented as the suffering servant. In Luke's Gospel... Luke's Gospel, this is, this is the story where we're most familiar with, the, the Christmas story. This is the story that Charlie Brown, uh, that we see in Charlie Brown Christmas, where Linus is standing and says, I know what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. <laughs> there were those days the shepherds, keeping watch over their flock by night. Lo, an angel of the Lord appeared before them. We know the, the Christmas story. And this is in Luke's Gospel. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 38 This is what we see. And it came about at that very moment. That's Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 3 verse 38. As we get to the genealogy of Jesus. The son of Enosh. The son of Seth. The son of Adam. The son of God. Jesus' lineage is traced back. Not to Abraham. Not to Isaac. Not to Jacob. Not to David. But Jesus' lineage is traced back to Adam. Because Jesus is portrayed not as the son of Abraham, not as the fulfillment of some messianic prophecy, but Jesus is portrayed as the son of man. Jesus is portrayed as as the Savior to all. And so we see very distinct theological themes in all of the Gospels. And so today, we're going to look at Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's important for us to understand the setting leading up to Jesus' entrance into the world. For the nation of Israel, they had suffered exile. They had suffered exile under the Assyrians, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom had suffered exile under the Babylonians. 
And then under Ezra, Nehemiah, and Zerubbabel, Israel returns to Jerusalem. They rebuild Jerusalem, but they return a, a fraction of who they once were. They, they, they return splintered. They, they, they return uh, suffering under the, the, the Persian Empire, under the Babylonian Empire, under, under all of these foreign enemies. And Israel is longing for the promise that God gave to Abraham. The promise that God gave to Isaac, the promise that God gave to Jacob, the promise that he would renew with David that said, I will send a Messiah. I will send a Savior. I will send someone to deliver you from bondage. I will send someone to be your king. I will send someone to be your king, to reign on the throne forever and ever and ever. Israel had suffered for 400 years of silence, where God had not spoken to Israel for 400 years. Ten generations of Israelites had come and gone, and God had been silent. There was an expectancy at the time of Christ. They were looking for, longing for the Messiah. They had suffered at the hands of the Assyrians, the Babylonians, and now the Persians, and then the Greeks, and then the Romans. They were longing for, begging for, expecting a Messiah. Not only were they expecting a Messiah, but they had in their minds who that Messiah would be, what he would look like, how he would carry himself, how he would be received by the people. Turn with me, if you will, to 2 Samuel chapter 7. This is the promise that Israel is holding on to. This is the promise that God gave to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that he would renew with David. 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8. Nathan, the prophet of God, speaks, and this is what he said. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, following the sheep, that you should be ruler over my people Israel. He's talking about David. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. I will make, your, I will make you a great name like the names of all the great men who were on the earth. I will also appoint a place for my people Israel. I will plant them that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again, nor will the wicked afflict them any more as formerly. Even from that day that I commanded the judges to be over all my people Israel, I will give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. And when your days are complete, you will lie down with your fathers. And I will raise up your descendant after you, who will come forth from you. And I will establish his kingdom. Verse 13. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be a father to him, and he will be a son to me. When he commits iniquity, I will correct him with the rod of men and the strokes of the son of men. But my loving kindness shall not depart from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And verse 16, And your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever, and your throne shall be established forever. That promise was made to David. Israel expected their Messiah not only to be from the lineage of David, but to be like David, a king, a warrior. Who was David? He was the shepherd boy who killed Goliath. Who was David? He was the one whom they said, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. 
If you read Samuel, if you read the end of the book of Samuel, David was the one who had all of his mighty men and they would go in amongst the Philistines and they would, they would destroy thousands of Philistines. They would, they would destroy the Midianites. They would destroy the Moabites. David was a mighty warrior. In fact, for that reason, he was not allowed to build the temple because he was a man of war. Because there was blood upon his hands. But David was a king. He was a king's king. He was a warrior. He was was someone whom Israel looked up to. And that's who they expected to be their Messiah. There is an expectancy of the Messiah. But Jesus continually told his disciples and Pilate, I'm not that kind of king. Go to the book of John. Jesus told his disciples. He told Pilate in John chapter 18. Pilate asked him point blank. He said, so Jesus, are you a king? Look at John chapter 18, verse 33. Pilate therefore entered again to the praetorium and summoned Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now let me, let me set the stage for you, if you will. Pilate has, has had Jesus arrested and he's done so at the bequest of the Jewish leaders. The Jewish leaders came to Pilate and said, You know, there's this guy who's stirring up a bunch of trouble in, 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 in Jerusalem amongst the Jews. And Pilate said, I don't care. It doesn't bother me that they stirred up a bunch of trouble in the in, in Jews, and and the Jewish leaders reminded him and say, yeah, but according to the Roman according to the Roman government, your job not only is to is to be the governor of Judea, but also to keep peace amongst the Jews. So you you need to do something about this. So Pilate said, fine, go arrest this guy. And so they go and they arrest Jesus, and and they they arrest Jesus. They bring him before trial, and Pilate has said multiple times, I find no guilt in this man. You say that, that, that he claims to be God. I don't care if he claims to be God as well. They're, they're, I'm, I'm Roman. You can have a million gods. It doesn't matter to me that he claims to be God. And they said, oh, no, no, no. But he also claims to be a king. And that's when Pilate said, oh, no, we got issues. Because if he claims to be king and Caesar hears that I've let somebody who claims to be king go, then, 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 then I'm, my head's going to be on the chopping block. So Pilate comes back to Jesus and asks him this question. He says, Jesus, are you a king? And look at Jesus' response. Verse 36. Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be fighting that I might not be delivered up to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. Pilate therefore said to him, So you are a king? He says, All right, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm, I'm, I'm a little slow here. Are you saying you are a king or are you saying you're not a king? Verse 37. Pilate therefore said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say correctly, I am a king. For this reason I have been born, and for this reason I have come into the world, to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now let's back up to Matthew. Jesus, in the book of Matthew, is not presented as a suffering servant. Because he's being presented to whom? This is when you respond to the Jews. So Jesus is being presented to whom? Who is Jesus? Who is, who is Matthew writing? 
The Jews. Because Matthew's writing to the Jews, he is presenting Jesus not as a suffering servant. Would the Jews have accepted a Messiah who was a suffering servant? Who were they looking for? They were looking for David. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a warrior. They were looking for someone who was regal. And so in Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is not presented as a peasant. Jesus is presented as as a king. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1. Who is it that Matthew first introduces as the visitors to this newborn baby? Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem. And what was their question? Not, where is this baby who is to be born Savior of the world? What was this, what was their question? Where is he who is to be born King of the Jews? You see what Matthew's doing? He's not presenting Jesus as a suffering peasant. He's not presenting Jesus as, as the Savior to the world. He's presenting Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham, the Son of Isaac, the Son of Jacob. He's presenting Jesus as the fulfillment of Messianic prophecy. Interestingly enough, the book of Matthew has more Old Testament quotes than any other of the Gospels. Why? Who's he writing to? He's writing to the Jews. The Jews would have known the Old Testament. And so when Matthew is is presenting legitimacy and credibility to Christ, where's he going to get that credibility? From the Old Testament prophecies, from Isaiah, from Jeremiah, from the psalmist. He's going to get the credibility for Christ as the Messiah from the Old Testament. Jesus, Son of David, Messiah. The disciples believed Jesus to be the King. They believed Jesus to be the ultimate authority. In fact... Look at what Peter does when they arrest Jesus. Go to John chapter 18, verse 10. John chapter 18, verse 10. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's back up. <clears throat> let's back up in verse 5, because you, you, you really got to... You, you really got to, 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 to get the whole scene here. Verse 5. Verse 4, they, this, this legion of Roman soldiers show up to arrest Jesus. And Jesus asked them, who you're looking for? In verse 5, they answered and said to him, Jesus the Nazarene. And he said to them, I am he. And many of your Bibles will have that, that word he italicized because Jesus did not say, I am he. Jesus made the statement, I am. And so when Jesus made the statement, I am, the scripture says in verse 6, they drew back and fell to the ground. This is, this is the, the, the picture. A thousand Roman soldiers show up to arrest Jesus. There's Jesus, 11 disciples, because one of them's Judas with the thousand Roman soldiers. They said, we're looking for Jesus. Jesus stands up and says, I am. A thousand Roman soldiers fall to the ground with their, with their battle gear on, their, their swords, their shields, their helmet. Jesus makes one statement and a thousand Roman soldiers hit the, hit the ground. And Peter says, this is it. 
This is when we, as, as the disciples of the new king, the Messiah, the son of David, this is when we are going to overthrow the Roman authorities. This is whenever we are going to, to throw off bondage. We are going to throw off our oppression. And we are going to seize the throne of David. And we are going to reign victoriously over all of Israel. And so what does Peter do? Again, they uh, skip, skip down verse 7. And again, they ask, whom do you seek? And Jesus said to them, They said, Jesus the Nazarene, verse 8, Jesus answered, I told you that I am, and if therefore you seek me, let these men go their way, that the word might be fulfilled which he spoke of those whom thou hast given me, I lost none. And Simon Peter, thinking this is it, this is the time when Jesus is going to usher in his kingdom. Verse 10, Simon Peter, therefore having a sword, he drew it, and he struck the high priest's slave, and cut off the right ear of the slave whose name was Malchus. So Peter, thinking this is it, This is when the king is going to usher in his kingdom. I believe he drew a sword, tried to cut off the guy's head, missed his head, took off his ear, and then Jesus said, Peter, put your sword down. My kingdom's not of this world. Put your sword down. Picks up the guy's ear, puts it back on. Goes in bondage, in chains. Stands before Annas, Caiaphas, Herod, Pilate, sentenced to crucifixion, dies, is buried, and raised from the dead. Jesus is absolutely king. But even his disciples didn't understand Jesus was king. They thought and were expecting an earthly rule, a tangible rule kingdom. The purpose of Matthew's gospel, as well as the other synoptic gospels, were twofold. One, they wanted to tell the story of Jesus' life. They wanted to tell of the miracles. They wanted to tell of His birth, His life, His, His miraculous ministry. They wanted to tell of how He fed the thousands, how He healed the sick, how He healed the lame, how He cast out demons, how He, pro, how he perplexed and taught profoundly to the Pharisees. They wanted to tell of the life of Jesus. But it was also twofold. It was not only to tell of the life of Jesus, but to convince their audience that Jesus was not just a great man, Not just a prophet, a teacher, but to convince them that He was the Messiah. In Matthew, the Magi visit Jesus. Go back to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. The Magi visit Jesus. And if you notice, verse 2, it says, They came... With one purpose in mind. Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Herod sees Jesus as a competition to his throne. The prophecy of Jesus was one of, look at verse 6. And you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. 
The prophecy of Jesus in the book of Matthew is one of rule and authority. Kingly. In verse 11, They came into the house and they saw the child with his mother and they presented him gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. They presented gifts of great value. Gifts of royalty. Gifts that, ironically enough, would provide for Mary and Joseph when they fled to Egypt. I believe that Mary and Joseph sold the gifts that they were given to provide for them while they were in a foreign land. The providence of God. The question for the Jews is not, will you accept this Jesus as a great teacher? The question for the Jews was not, will you accept this Jesus as as a prophet? The question was not even, will you accept this Jesus as a priest, as a mediator between you and God? Because for the Jews, they could easily see Christ and and His value and his, his, His aspect, His title as prophet. They could listen to him teach in the synagogue. They could listen to him teach in the temple and say, as Nicodemus says, no man can can speak as this man does and not be from God. They could see his benevolent acts. And they could say, no man can do the things he has done and not be from God. There were men who were lame that walked. There were men who were blind that see. There were men who who were dead and live because of the healing hand of Christ. The problem for the Jew was not that Jesus was a great teacher and taught from the law in such a way that that it confounded all of the rabbis and all of the prophets and all of the teachers in that day. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus repeatedly says, you have heard it taught, or you have heard it said, do not commit adultery, but I say unto you, he gives them a, a new teaching. And so it wasn't for the Jews that Jesus was, was not a good teacher. It wasn't for the Jews that, 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 that Jesus was benevolent. The problem for the Jews was they refused to submit to Jesus as their king. Go with me, if you will, to the book of Matthew chapter 21. This is Jesus' triumphal entry. As Jesus enters into Jerusalem, <clears throat> as Jesus enters into Jerusalem, the week that he will suffer and die, this is how he enters. G- John, Matthew chapter 21, verse 9. And the multitudes going before him and those who followed after him were crying out, saying, Hosanna to the son of whom? David. David. That is a messianic title. And who were these people? Were these his disciples? No. These were the crowds in Jerusalem. They said, Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna to the Messiah. To the prophet. To the priest. To he who has come in the name of the Lord. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. That is a, that is a direct quote from the Psalms. That is a messianic claim. The problem is Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And he says, yeah, I'm not that kind of king. I'm not the kind of king who's going to overthrow the Roman government. 
I'm not the kind of king who's going to deliver you from earthly trials. I'm the kind of king who says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's and render unto God that which is God's. I'm the kind of king that says, he who wishes to save his life will lose it and he who loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. I'm the kind of king who says, it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of the needle. My kingdom is not of this world. The question for the Jews would be, will you submit and surrender yourself to Jesus as your king? And when they crucified Jesus, it's interestingly enough, the high priest and the Jewish leaders said this to Pilate. We have no king but Caesar. They didn't mind Jesus' benevolence. They didn't mind His teaching. They didn't mind Him healing the sick. They didn't mind Him feeding the poor. But they said, we will not surrender to His authority. They wanted Jesus as their priest, as their mediator. They wanted Jesus as their prophet. They liked His teaching. But they said, we will not submit to Him as our King. And we're not Jewish. We're not in a height of Messianic expectancy, expecting the Son of David. But we have the same problem that the Jews have. We like... Jesus as our Santa Claus. We want Him to give us stuff. We like Jesus as the great healer. People who are sick, hurting, pain, hardship, where do we go? We run to the throne, we run to the cross. But when it comes to submitting our lives under His authority, we respond the same way the Jews. We will not submit to the authority of Jesus in our life. It's interesting. Jesus is not Savior or Lord. Savior or King. He's both hand. Matthew chapter 27. Ironically enough, in the book of Matthew, as they mocked Jesus. Now remember, Matthew is written to a Hebrew audience to portray Jesus as the King of the Jews. Listen to verse 27. 28. The soldiers, they stripped Him of His clothes and put a scarlet robe upon Him. And after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it upon His head. And they put a reed in his right hand as a scepter. And they nailed down before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Jesus is King. This morning, 
Will we submit to his kingship, his authority? Or will we mock it? You know, as Christians, those who claim the name of Christ, we worship the Lord on Sunday and we leave the church house on Sunday and live for the world Monday through Saturday, we are doing the very thing that the soldiers have done. We are mocking His authority. We sing, Blessed be the name. We sing, Your love endures forever. We sing, Take my life, form it. I live for You alone. And then we walk out of the church house and our king is our job, our money, our family, our pleasures. Fill in the blank. And we mock Jesus. Just like the soldiers did as king. We say, be my savior. Save me from sin. But I will not yield to your authority in my life. As we look at Jesus presented in the Gospels, He's presented as the King. Let's pray. Father, Your Word cuts like a knife. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, there are those this morning who've been convicted of their failure to yield to the authority of Jesus in their life. Oh, they've asked Him to forgive them of their sin. But they've never yielded their life to the authority of Jesus. If that's you this morning, I'm going to invite you to this altar. To simply come and yield your life to Christ. Maybe there are those of you out there this morning who for the very first time you've realized that that Jesus is your King. That He's your King because there is no other King. And for the very first time in your life, you need to turn from your sin and trust Him as your Lord and as your Savior. If that's you this morning, I want to invite you to come. Or maybe this morning God has spoken to your heart. Maybe He's called you to be a part of what God's doing here at Redeemer. Whatever the Lord is speaking to you in this time of invitation, we invite you to respond. May you find yourself obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.